Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. It is your host, Auntie Vice, and I'm here today with Tallulah Breslin. They reached out to me. Uh, she is a voice coach in Austin, Texas, who does gender affirmation voice coaching. And I've been wanting to get a voice coach on the show for a while because regular listeners know we have a ton of trans folks on here, and they all have a different approach to that. So welcome to the Thank show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. So we'll start with a real simple question. How did you get into voice coaching? Because this is not one of those things they tell you to go into from your high school counselor. Um, okay. So, well, so first I'm a speech language pathologist and in we, I don't know how much you're familiar with it, but basically speech therapy, we have an umbrella of all of these different things we do and transgender voice therapy is under our umbrella but they don't really teach us how to do it. Most people get like one day of their voice class. And in 2014, I had a friend who was transitioning who asked me for help, didn't want to go see a speech therapist that she didn't know. And I tried to figure out how to help her. Over the years, I helped different friends with their voices. And then the pandemic happened and nursing homes stopped being a good place to work. And I started my business and almost everyone who's contacted me since I started it has been for gender affirming voice training. That's amazing. So when you're going through school, like I've, I've worked with a ton of speech pathologists and, and I have a number of friends who work at an agency in California that's specifically for speech pathology. Most of that, though, has to do with what people would commonly think of speech disorders, stuttering. When you don't say your R's right, you say them like W's, like that's why I went to to speech therapy. And there's, there's so little focus. Has that changed with the more public presentation of trans folks and the larger trans discussion? Is that changing in speech pathology? So it is. It's the most wonderful cat. Nobody can see this because we're just audio, but this is the most gorgeous, long-haired, big cat that's just making itself quite at home. There wasn't a lot of lecture time spent on on gender affirmation and and such when you went through your training. Has that changed at all with the the larger visibility of trans folks in the world? I think it is currently changing. Different programs have changed more or less. Um, and I, I think there's still a long way to go. I think a big thing that needs to happen is that the um, the prof professors as a whole, the clinicians who are teaching students need to have a better understanding of what gender affirming voice training actually involves. So 
when you look at the changes that happen to our voice from first puberty to testosterone exposure, people who are coming in are trying to change those things. They want to sound like they have had more or less testosterone exposure than they have actually had. And a lot traditionally of what speech language pathology will do will focus so much more on the gender, the cultural differences in the voice that isn't anything to do with testosterone effect. So I think that as the the field of, of gender-forming care in general grows, that we'll get farther along in speech therapy too, but just getting everybody to kind of understand what it is that we're actually working on will get us a long way towards being able to find the most effective ways to do it. So when I went through psych, I got one of those one-day lectures on voice, and this was 30-some-odd years ago. So at that point, they said, and, and it may no longer be how it's understood, but that the reason cis men develop a deeper voice is not physiological differences, but it's hearing older men speak with a deeper voice. And it's a psychological change more than a physical change in the voice. Is that really what it is? Or am I misremembering all my psych training from I don't know whether or not you're mistraining, but I can give you a kind of overview of the voice. So basically, there's two different primary pieces to it. There is the differences between children's voices, depending on what gender they're socialized as, and that's the voice gender. And then separately, there is the effect of first puberty, and sometimes some, but not as much, but the effect of testosterone in general. So you have two kids that are going to grow up one gets socialized as a boy and one gets socialized as a girl and they live in China and then another boy and a girl live in the Amazon and those are going to be two very different voices because in those each culture has its own way that they gender voices and then all of those kids are going to have similar changes from puberty from first puberty testosterone exposure or the lack of it so when we get exposed to testosterone, our cartilages get larger, the joints between them ossify and don't move as easily. Um, our chambers, our instrument gets larger, right? If you think about a violin and a cello, a bigger versus a smaller chamber have very different sounds. For the same notes, the vocal folds thicken and lengthen, which gives us a, a heavier sound to our voice, more mass and um, a bigger chamber darker resonance and thicker vocal folds a heavier weight are friends with a lower pitch. So our voice tends to shift in that direction. You bring up something here that I was totally unaware of is that children coming into to puberty and moving through that, there are cultural differences in the way the voice develops. And you talk about, you know, two Chinese kids and, and two kids in the Amazon developing different types of voice. What are the cultural differences in voice? Well, so there are differences in voice gender, right? So the intonation patterns, the melody of our voice would be different. The words that we choose, the order that we put them in, how we link them together. Um, the pitch can have gender that is separate from testosterone. Um, the body language can be very different. There's all of these aspects that are not the actual voice. Um, how we shift them is a big thing, right? So um, if you think about just how we emphasize a word, so if I'm going to emphasize it and I want to use a masculine speaking pattern in typical American voice culture, I would get louder in order to emphasize that word right there. 
And if I want to use a more feminine, I would, I would emphasize by a rising pitch, I want this right here. And then um, if I want to not have a gender signal, as I emphasize, this is the one right here. And I might, you know, we can kind of move around between them, but you won't obviously without the slides here, the gender of my voices clearly. Okay, so my nerds, I'm totally nerding out on this. I, I actually think this is completely fascinating. When you're growing up, uh, whether you're cis, trans, or anywhere in between, how do people learn and come into their own voice? Uh, and find where do, how do you find your adult voice? I think there's various levels of intention in it. Most people don't think about their voice a lot. Um, so I know for myself, I hadn't really considered my voice as something that could be modified, but it was always getting me tripped up. I had no testosterone exposure um, and I used very masculine speaking patterns and I worked in a very feminine environment. I worked in a nursing home with a lot of female nurses and I would always kind of like rub people the wrong way because I would use, you know, you need to do this right now. Even if I was right, it, I didn't have enough tilt thyroid curlish so oh you're just such the cutest little kitty over here sitting next to me you really need to do this right now right and so over time i learned to modify and and change my tone and how i spoke and that got different reactions and so i think as people are growing up there is that interaction with their environment that they change how they speak because of how people react and some of it there's a ton of sound learning, right? If you think about a baby, I don't know if you've ever seen a baby learn their first word, but it isn't by their dad sitting them down and saying Papa to them over and over and explaining to them how it is that they're going to say Papa. That's not how it works, right? They hear it and they learn it from the sound. And for example, boys going through a first puberty with testosterone exposure who has men in their environment is going to lower their voice box and make their voice darker because of hearing those darker sounds. But they've done research on people who have nobody with testosterone exposure around them, but have first puberty testosterone exposure. And the boys won't lower their larynx because they don't have that sound model in their environment. You talk about getting tripped up in, in, with your own voice and the way you were learning intonation and that it was some there was some intentionality and obviously you have the training to understand what you were doing and, and where it was coming in. Do you see now that you're, you know, you have all your training, how much do you see the way people use their voice? Not, not necessarily their words that they choose, but the way they speak where that interferes with communication. I mean, I think it can have a huge amount of effect on communication, but ideally it wouldn't. Um, I know for what I, I don't think this is true for all gender affirming voice coaches, but I know for me, over half my caseload tends to be autistic, ADHD, or both. And there's a lot of things that people who are neurodivergent will do that are not meant as communication behaviors. And, um, you know, if you go to Comic Con and you get a whole bunch of nerdy autistic people together, they communicate just fine. But when you put a bunch of neurodivergent or typical people, they're not always passing their messages in the same way. And so, I mean, it, it's very important to sort of be contextually aware of the people. And I so, yeah, neurodivergence, especially autism and ADHD, are very correlated with transness. 
And there's not a real clear understanding of why, but part of it, you know, there's, there's folks out there who think part of the reason you have a higher group of people with autism who identify as trans is you're not picking up social cues in the same way and negative social cues in the same way. So it may be a true representation of the percentage of the population that's really non-binary or trans because so many of us modify our behaviors based on social reactions. And if you're not processing that in the same way and you're not understanding it in the same way, you're not going to pick up that other people aren't as disapproving as they might be, as somebody who has more neurotypical aspects to it. So, when it comes to voice training and actually gender affirmation training, for people who are going through this process, at what point do they start seeking you out and seeking voice training? Is this towards the end of the process after they've done other types of medical affirmations? Is it in the beginning? Is it all over? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Going back to what you said a minute ago, um, we do a lot as speech therapists, we do a lot of social skills training with people who are autistic. And there is just a lack of awareness of, of social cues. And so if you don't have society telling you this information that you're picking up as a given that you have to know why, then it becomes very much easy to not just assume what your gender is. As far as the timeline, that varies greatly. Um, I think that there are good reasons to start gender affirming voice training at different times. There's when we take second puberty testosterone, we can start full dose or we can microdose and slowly ramp up. And it's true for both, but especially for people who don't microdose, you end up with a very significant change in the mass of your vocal folds very quickly. So when our air goes up, out of our lungs, through our trachea, and into our our voice box, our larynx. It has the first place it hits is our true vocal folds, and the second place it hits is our false folds. And if we're not managing our air right, we end up with a lot of constriction from our false folds. And some people who don't identify as as women who don't want a feminine voice will already have done constriction to try because that sounds less less gendered in the way they don't want it to be right. And I think that it is helpful to do at least one session just on being able to coordinate your breath and your voice prior to starting testosterone. It helps a lot with just having really healthy, high quality voice. Um, and there definitely is a place in having a more masculine voice for voice training at any point. Um, testosterone changes some things, but it can't change your resonance in the same ways. You know, if you're 30, your head is fixed, that's the size it is. Then the, um, for people who are looking to sound like they have had less testosterone exposure, there isn't really a difference that impacts everything in the same way as if you're changing something about your body because the types of hormones we take for feminizing our bodies don't change our voice in any significant way. So I have some people who will see me before they get started because they don't want to present as a woman and not have a passing voice to go along with it. And then sometimes people will have transitioned years ago and didn't even know that voice training was a thing and they're 65 and they're ready, you know? So when you're you're working with folks, you know, a lot of the discussion I see around transness in the the mainstream media is written by cis folks who don't have a deeper understanding of transness from from lived experience. 
And a lot of the focus is on the medical aspects of transition. There's an enormous discussion right now about whether or not kids, and even as late as 25 now in Florida, people under 25, whether or not they should be allowed to medically transition with hormones, with surgeries, and all of that. In some states, we're really attacking one method of transitioning. Can voice coaching help people who don't have those options for medically assisted transitions? Does that help in any way square how you're presenting to the world with how you see yourself? I mean, anyone can change their voice at any time. And it isn't just people who are not gender queer, right? Like you be cis and you can change your voice. You can be trans and you can change your voice. You can be envy and change your voice. It is really unfortunate what is happening in society right now. And politicians need to remove themselves from the doctor's room. But I think that especially when you talk about kids, there is a lot going on that influences the choice about whether or not they want to do medical interventions that change their body, that when you're talking about something that doesn't have to permanently change the body, the way that voice training is, it can be um, be a choice that you can do where you can learn better control of your voice and how to have a healthy voice that are things that will serve you throughout your life, even if you know, this isn't the particular way that you're always going to talk. We can change it at any point. So once you've gone through training, you can change back and forth then and even have two voices. So if you wanted to present in space where it was safe to be, you know, to to have your gender affirmed, you could present with one voice and then change to the other, or is it not quite that fluid? So it depends on your goals. Some people are really sensitive to the sound of the voice that they started with, and they really don't want to sound like that. Um, and there are things that we can do that change our voice by building muscles that will change the sound of it at rest. Um, but basically, it really just depends with what you want. If you want to have many voices, divergent, huge amount of fluidity, you can have that. I don't know. Have you ever seen the actor who does Bugs Bunny? Mm-hmm. So he has some videos up and it's like 500 voices. You can just watch him do one after another. If that's what you want, your voice can do that. Or you you can find this voice that really serves you and that you stay as close to that recipe as possible. Or that's the high effort voice that you use when you're in social situations or at work. And then you have this more relaxed version that you use at home. It really is just ultimately about finding a voice that you're comfortable and confident communicating with. As you work with your clients and you see them develop a voice that they want, that they've been working for, do you see other changes in them at the same time? So my personal philosophy is that when people come to me, what they are coming to me for is to be able to use their voice and that helping them change the gender and sex expression of their voice is how we accomplish that. And it is a huge life-changing difference to be able to be confident speaking. Um, Unfortunately, some of the people who come to me, especially minors, won't use their voice at all or very little or very avoidant, right? Light words are always sad to see with somebody who's totally capable talking because of gender. And that those are like the biggest changes to their life because now they're in school and that that's, you know, talking to people. But yeah, totally. 
so I'm a psych major and the my nerdy part is like totally being fed by this. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool because the voice is the voice is so important. And having a voice and being able to present and communicate and sound the way you want is so critical. And I think a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to their voice and they'll hear you'll hear your own voice in a recording and you think, oh, I sound horrible. And so you just never want to hear your voice. There's a lot of folks who have that issue. But finding a voice that you're comfortable with and brings out who you are, I think, is an amazing change for people, um, whether or not it's gender affirmation or not. So I, you know, I really I think it's an important discussion to have because this is one of those things that so many of us just kind of put on the back burner and we don't think about it a lot until it's really brought into the fore. But how critical a voice is. You've gone through your training, you're learning about this, you know, and the way people use their voice and communicate. What do pe- what do you see in people who don't like to talk, who are shy about speaking up, who don't want to actually exercise their voice? Is is there a way through voice training and some of the, the social aspects of your work that can make people feel more comfortable expressing what they want to express? Yeah, a huge part of the work that I do isn't the technical how to change your voice. It's becoming comfortable using it. So our voice has to be used in context, right? So we might be talking to our friends or our parents or a stranger, and each of those feels very different. So when we're trying to work on using our voice in new contexts, we can try all of those different situations and become more comfortable. We can role play them. We can actually do it. There's so much that we're trying to work through and get it to where our voice just really serves us. Often it's just to be able to stop thinking about it so much, right? Like to not needing to proactively think about your voice anymore until it just, you know, you just talk and it comes out, right? Um, but yeah, there's a huge piece of voice training that is on becoming comfortable using your voice and confident using it and having it it serve you. I know a lot of times when people are getting tripped up, we'll work on really breaking down the situation that happened. You know, you went into the store, you had this thought you were going to use your voice, but then this thought tripped you up. So is there a different thought that we could use? Can we practice with a prep phrase where every single time we're saying, um, this thought in our head that we're having our voice come out right so that when we walk into the store, we think that thought and then our voice comes out right because it just sort of everything lines up. Can, you know, you, you did use your voice, but it didn't sound perfectly. So then this other thought popped up. Can we replace that with something affirming? Just trying my voice at all was a success, right? Like whatever it is that the little guy in your head who's running around behind you chattering can, can have that will be helpful. That's such a huge part of this because a voice, you can have a technically beautiful voice. I sometimes have people who come to me with finished voices. It doesn't serve you if you can't use it, though. You talk about practicing it in different situations. So I have a dear friend, and she's transitioned now. But when she was starting the transition, going out in public and fully transitioned was terrifying to her. And one of the pieces she of advice she got was go through a drive through in the middle of the night and use your voice because you're talking into the speaker. And the first time she was properly gendered by the person on the other side of the McDonald's drive through was so huge, right? And because now there's a passing voice and 
that affirmation can be incredibly rewarding to somebody who's been misgendered and hasn't been able to be who they are. So I think you've really tapped into it is practicing and figuring out what went wrong. And the psychology part of it is a big, big deal to so many. And for me, it's always really wonderful to see somebody who can finally be public with who they want to be in the world. Like presenting ourselves in the world is as we want is is a big deal. So for you on a personal level in in working with this and transitioning from nursing home, which is a very different type of work. I would imagine you did a lot of like post-stroke swallowing stuff, learning to speak again, stuff that has to do with health into this. How has that changed you? I mean, my life has changed pretty significantly. I talk at conferences now. You know, this morning I gave a talk at the Texas Diversity Inclusion Conference on inclusive workplace communication practices teach SLPs how to do gender affirming voice training. I help hundreds of people change their voice. You know, I exist as a person. I'm making a change in people's lives beyond just what it is that my immediate day to day does because I teach other people how to teach people. And so I feel like my influence has spread the the positiveness that I can manifest has grown. And I'm so incredibly lucky to be in that place because everybody a voice that they love or at least, you know, can exist with. That's amazing. The other thing folks often uh, see as prohibitive is they imagine this is incredibly expensive. Is it expensive to access a voice coach and, and work to find your authentic voice? So it can be. It depends. Um, there's a huge spectrum, right? We have a group that we run for homeless trans teens that people come for six weeks and it's totally free. Um, and we do that alliance with little i guess we have a a partnership with little pedal alliance um and so we we do that twice a week we have um voice coaches who aren't slps who are able to take lower rates than slps are able to take slps can sometimes take insurance which helps a lot um you know and then there's the voice coaches who charge way more than i do hundreds and hundreds of dollars so i think um it's a it's important to find a service that's in your budget that you can access and you don't have to be dependent on somebody else to teach you. You can sit and you can use your voice. Five minutes of really sitting and paying attention and tuning into what your voice is doing and the possibilities of it is worth more than six hours of just doing the same thing over and over again. When a new client comes in to talk to you about what they they want to do and they, and they say, I want to change my voice, that's, that's a pretty big thing. How do you drill down and get at what you're going to do with them? So the way that I have found is most efficient for determining what to work on is the first thing I do is I have somebody, so we use the rainbow passage, which is just, it disappears into the ether. I've heard it so many times. Um, But basically we have all these different pieces and parts to our voice. And so as somebody is going through and reading it, I write down what their voice recipe is, what they're doing with each of those parts. And then I have them read it again and whatever the closest to their goal voice that they can currently produce is. So I have that, right? Like what's the differences? How far is it? And it starts to give me an idea of what they can currently do. And then I turn off my camera and I model for them all of the different range for each of the different variables. And I ask them, which would you prefer to sound like the most? 
and mark those. And then it takes me a minute normally, but then they've given me a recipe and I know what my recipe is that I talk in habitually. And I will, um, and I will produce the voice that they have chosen. They have said, this is the combination that I like, and then we'll shape it from there. And sometimes that's, oh my goodness, I would love to have that voice. And sometimes it's okay, no, actually. And then we, we, figure it out until it's the right voice for them. And then I look at the difference between how they currently speak and how they want to speak. And that is a list, right? These are the things that are different and it's so easy, right? Like you just know exactly what to work on. And I have the experience of kind of knowing which things um, have, you know, all the different things that use that we have as part of our voices that determine the voice, sex, and gender of our voice are like pebbles in a bucket, right? And some of them are boulders and some of them are tiny, tiny. And so I know kind of like, let's work on the boulders before the pebbles. And these order tend to work better if you have these things to work in. But there's no single one goal that everybody wants. There's no one true voice. It's just whatever it is that somebody wants for their own voice is what we work towards. So if our listeners want to find your services, want to find out more about voice coaching, want to reach out to you, what are the best ways for them to to find you at this point? Yeah, mantravoice.com, M-A-N-T-R-A-V-O-I-C-E.com, mantravoice.com is my website. Um, We also have a Facebook group that has a community and we have free groups once a month through that if people want to come it takes a lot longer if you just go through our free monthly group but it's a totally valid way to change your voice and private voice coaching is of course always available but yeah we have a youtube channel mantra voice where i put up very long videos because i try to like cover topics very thoroughly but all of those are resources places you can find me that i'm happy to share the things that i know with people Thank you so much. We'll make sure all of those links are up on the show notes for people to find you and get it out there. Thank you for indulging my nerdy side today. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, readers, check check out Tallulah on, on all the things and get the voice you want. your anti-vice. If you're looking for some great sex toys, check out thesexshed.com this week and use code REBECCA10 for 10% off any purchases. If you're looking for books and gear, Wicked Grounds is now offering personal shoppers on Wednesday. Contact wickedgrounds.com and work with somebody to find the things that best fit you. Finally, Check out loveletterstoaunicorn.com this week. I'm working with a couple of academics on sexuality research. Please consider participating. Thank you. And now, a moment of gratitude. Let's see. I am currently grateful for my family. I am super excited. My Both of my sisters and my niece are coming to town next month. And so I'm just, you know, with the pandemic, we haven't gotten to see each other so much. But one of my sisters lives in Germany, the other in North Carolina. And so everyone coming here is just so fantastic.
Voices of the World. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.